everybody and welcome to the 99 Yards podcast. I'm your host Shona Duthie and today I'm joined by Brian Dickey, Duncan Terry and Adam Barton. How's things? Um, very good Shona, thank you. Excited to talk some football with you guys. Hi, right, good to be back, good to be back. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Got a few things to chat about this week I think. Definitely, there's, uh, there's all sorts going on in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. So today we have a busy show. So let's kick things off with our trouble in the huddle debate. This week, we talk about the best of the rookies so far. This seems like a good class. Adam, kick things off. Well, I had a, a tough choice between two. I, I want to give an honorary mention to uh, to Justin Herbert, who's he hasn't won a game yet, but he's had 290 yards in each of his uh, first three games, 70, 72% passing and 8.7 yards per attempt. The, the man I'm going to choose is Justin Jefferson, who's actually been the highest graded uh, wide receiver in the league uh, so far this season, according to uh, Pro Football Focus. He's had 5.67 uh, yards per route, uh, which is uh, two yards more than anyone else in the league. And he's caught 16 of 20 of his targets so far this season. He's had 348 yards, which it puts him on course for 1,400 yards if it uh, plays out through the whole season. I'm going to go with the Jaguars rookie, undrafted rookie. Uh, they're running back James Robinson. As I say, he's undrafted coming out of Illinois State. Um, bit, of, bit of a shock, really, to make the start for the first game of the season. Obviously, they got rid of Lennon Fournette. But he's done, he's done incredibly well, 285 yards so far, which is eighth overall of all running backs. Um, a bit behind fellow rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But apart from that, he's second in running backs. Um, not only that, but he's got 161 yards in the air. He's caught all but one of his 15 targets. Um, and he's actually fourth through the whole league of yards from scrimmage, which is uh, great for any sort of rookie, but especially an undrafted one. I'll tell you, I'm up against it this week, going up against uh, an undrafted starter and the wide re- best wide receiver in the league. Uh, but I'm going with Tristan Wirfs uh, of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, whoever's doing the draft in there right now is doing it really right because in the second round they've got Anton Winfield Jr. and he's playing a storm as well. But Wirfs is playing right tackle uh, for Tom Brady. Uh, hasn't conceded a sack yet despite playing Cameron Jordan, Nick Chubb, Jerry Bosa. Uh, he just looks superb. He played uh, right tackle in college for his three years there. And uh, he's, he's, so he's playing right tackle again for the Bucks. Now, normally you'd say that the rookies will play right tackle and then shift over to the left when they're ready. And they've got Donovan Smith there playing left tackle. He's, he's probably not their future. But these days, you know, it's, it's not a, a certain thing. They need, you need uh, blockers on the right as much as you do the left. You know, teams are coming at you from both sides nowadays. It's not just about defending the blind side. So he may well stay there his whole career. But he's just... Absolutely. He's been playing superb. You know, he's, he's got great feet, a uh, great recovery. Should he make any you know errors? Um, and he can lock down that position for 10 years. Um, whereas your, your running back and your wide receiver, uh, you know, they might not have such long careers, will they? I get what you're saying, but Wirfs has had uh, the, I guess it's the pressure of, of blocking for Tom Brady, but equally there's the, the benefit that Brady is known for getting the ball out really quickly. Uh, so that gives him less pressure to to hold on to the ball. For, uh, sorry, to uh, protect um, Brady while he holds on to the ball for longer. Rob Robinson's been uh, really quite a surprise, I think, um, in Jacksonville. He's uh, performed really well, but I, I'll stick with uh, Jefferson with uh, his high impact, even if the uh, the Vikings only only have one win so far this season. 
Yeah, I'm going to stick with Robinson as well. Um, as I say, it's great to get value of running back, and especially if he's undrafted. Um, and for a team like the Jags, who are rebuild, retool, and um, to get someone like that who's uh, really helping his, his quarterback Minshew out, it's uh, I think it's fantastic. So yeah, I'm going to stick with James Robinson. They must have known uh, what they had in him quite early on, having you know felt quite comfortable in trading Fournette. Do you think? Definitely so. Yeah, I've, I've been looking up in it, and yeah, he had a, he had a great camp. Um, and yeah, I think pretty much everyone was shocked to see Fournette go, former uh, first round pick. Um, but yeah, I think he's uh, he's lived up to that hype. Well, thanks, guys. I will be looking out for those players now because sometimes I can be a little iffy with my rookie class. Be sure and vote on Twitter later as to who you. <coughs> Be sure and vote on Twitter later as to who you think won our debate. Moving swiftly on to some college football, we have two fantastic writers giving you some awesome content at the moment. And Owen Jones spoke to Duncan earlier to give us an update on the college season. Owen Jones, welcome to the podcast. You've been writing for, with, for us for a little while. It's about time we had you on, right? Yeah, yeah. Long time listener, first time caller, as they say. Yeah, so um, all, all good. Just pleased to have some football back and glad that it's all safe. Although, obviously, a couple of hiccups in the NFL right now, but our college season seems to be good. Yeah, it all seems to be going well. Really pleased. Uh, and you and Gareth have been writing some fantastic stuff on the site about college football, which everyone should check out. Um, how's it going? I mean, how's the season looking? Are they doing well COVID-wise? I mean, some, some divisions started and some haven't. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So we've currently got the ACC, the Big 12 and the SEC, which have started. They've been going for about five weeks now. And without many surprises, shall we say, all COVID secure. There hasn't been uh, too many hiccups. Um, Seem to be testing on a regular basis as well, uh, which is all good. Only real surprise that we've seen so far is uh, just how bad Oklahoma have been. Many saw them as the third or fourth best team in the country coming into the season. But after losses to Kansas State and then Iowa State this weekend, they're not even ranked in their top 25. And it's looking like a playoffs are well beyond them. Uh, talking about Oklahoma, they got uh, they supposedly got a new star quarterback, haven't they? Obviously, they've had a few in the last few years. But Spencer, Spencer Rattler, is it? Is he supposed to be the next big thing? Yeah, yeah. So Spencer Rattler as well. He's doing okay, should we say? A um, couple of hiccups. I mean, he's got big shoes to fill, hasn't he, in terms of uh, replacing Kyler Murray, um, Baker Mayfield, and the likes. So he's got big shoes to fill. He's got some way to go yet, although he's the um, highest recruit coming out of high school um, that, that they've had. So hopefully, he just needs some time. Um, they've got some weapons around him. One of them featured on our Future Stars article earlier this uh, um, on the weekend, should I say? Um, so obviously, check that out. Um, but I'm sure they'll come good, just a couple of early season hiccups, which is to be expected. Absolutely. And, and who's playing well? Who's Which teams are looking good this year? Yeah, so I'd say that the, the teams which I'm noticed more than anything is I'm a sucker for an underdog. So Marshall, a team that really stands out. And I think Garth did a great article on that. So obviously people should check that out if they haven't already. There's other teams that have caught my eye. Florida are the one uh, that, that's really got me interested, led by the two Kyles. That's Trask and Pitts. They just they look great. Pitts especially performing off the charts. Such a mismatch all over the field. Um, a pass catching tight end shouldn't really be asked to do much blocking, but when you've got a weapon like that, why would you ask him to? He may have just convinced me as well to put him as the tight end one going into next year's draft at the moment. I know we've got Pat Frymouth to come um, when Penn State take over. Um, but at the moment, he's there as my number one. 
Florida have got Texas A&M next, and then they do take on LSU and Georgia, two of the next three. So be really interesting whether they can keep up this form. Excellent, excellent. I've heard of Carl Pitts. He's uh, he's the next big thing at tight end, is he? Do you think he could go first round? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. The tight end class last year wasn't great, but we've potentially got three that could go in the in the first round this year. Um, he's by far and the best, uh, by far and away the best pass catching tight end there. Um, I think he's he's got six touchdowns on the year already, I believe. Um, just yeah, really good prospect. Is there uh, is there anyone else catching your eye uh, going into the new season? Yeah, so uh, a bit of news. We've recently seen the North Dakota State quarterback, Trey Lance. He's just opted out of the season. That was um, announced yesterday. He's expected to be a first-round pick, probably the third quarterback off the board, despite he's only played 16 college games for North Dakota State. Of those 16 games, thrown for 28 touchdowns, not a single interception at all. Um, I was expecting to challenge Justin Fields for that number two spot going into next year's draft. Has just come off a showcase game against Central Arkansas. That's the only game that they've played so far. Um, and obviously we know that's going to be the last game he's going to play this season. Was obviously looking to put in a big performance or with the whole country watching that showcase game. People were really curious to see how, how we could deal with the pressure of playing at this level. Should we say he just did okay? Threw for two touchdowns, rushed for an additional two, so four in total. But he did throw his first ever career interception. He just didn't put in the type of performance many people were, were hoping for. If the listeners don't know who Trey Lance is, he's a big arm quarterback, sudden throws the ball with such velocity. One of those um, quarterbacks who can, who can really escape the pocket and you know, extends plays with his legs. Just overall, a really exciting watch. He's probably exactly what NFL teams are now looking uh, looking at the quarterbacks today. You know, in the the, the extending plays, big armed um, quarterbacks. Yeah. We just didn't really see a whole lot from that showcase game. Um, from Lance, there was probably going to be some talk of whether him or Fields can challenge Lawrence for that number one spot in the lead up to the draft, but I just don't see it myself. Uh, they'll definitely be fighting each other. There's going to be evaluators out there that, that have Fields above uh, above Lance, but others are going to have Lance above Fields. It's going to be really difficult to grade the two of them. Um, obviously, Fields playing this year, that might go for him, but it'd be a, one really to keep our eye on. Also on that, just keep an eye on the website over Twitter because we'll probably be releasing a scout report from him over the next couple of weeks. So if uh, if you haven't seen our scout reports, we've done a couple already. We've done one on Trevor Lawrence, one on Penny Sutzel, one on Jamar Chase coming out over the next couple of days. Might even be up by the time people listen to this. Jamar Chase is the wide receiver from LSU that had a monster season last season. He has opted out. Probably would have been the first receiver taken if he'd been draft eligible in last year's drafting you know, in, in that deep receiving class um, that we saw a year ago. That saw Jerry Judy, um, Henry Ruggs, C.D. Lamb, all these receivers taken um, in, in the first round and, and all the subsequent rounds. This receiving class is going to be even deeper than last year's. They've got players like Devonny Smith, Rondale Moore. Rashad Bateman, who had originally opted out, but has now opted back in. We've got Seth Williams, Jalen Waddell. Now, on Jalen Waddell, he'd probably be the one that Jamar Chase is most worried about. He's had a really good start to the season with Alabama. With Alabama. Had some really big showtime moments and superb catches. Really wouldn't surprise me if we end up if he ends up being taken before Jamar Chase when it's all said and done. But right now, Chase is by far and away the, the better prospect. Yeah, more wide receiver uh, groups. Hey, eh? that's uh, that's been like a few years in a row. There's been uh, really, you know, really good players coming through. There's uh, are there any corners? You know, anyone to defend? Anyone left to defend? Because the NFL's defense is they're really struggling right now. 
yeah, absolutely. I mean, as my, as my summer scouting's um, is concluded, I haven't got round to, to the corners yet, um, which I will do. There are some obviously some some good corners out there. It's got we've got Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. Got Patrick Satine from Alabama. He's going to be a good good one. Sean Wade's going to be a good one as well out of um, Ohio State. Haven't got round to my scouting, but as soon as the scouting listeners know where to find them. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Look forward to that. Um, and just on uh, Penny Shaw, you, you mentioned uh, the, the big tackle. He's a he's a big name coming out of college, but he plays for Oregon, right? And they've got a little bit of a different offense, have they not? Are the, are, the, are the skills transferable? Yeah, so Penny Shaw is just a, a prospect that's just completely effortless. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there's plenty of scouts out there that, that haven't seen a tackle come out like this, especially you know his size, six foot five, three thirty, at his age as well as a junior. It's just completely effortless. He's explosive, athletic. He's got excellent change of direction. Able to get out into space quickly. Great finisher. Just absolutely has it all. You just you just can't fault him as a prospect. If you are picking up weaknesses, you're being really picky because he's as polished <laughs> as they come out of college. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He'll be a star for someone. Uh, right after we've had a good group this year as well. Um, Alvine, thank you very much. Um, you've mentioned a few articles uh, that have been coming out. You guys are doing some excellent work uh, yourself on the players and Gareth. He's been talking about Marshall and, and he's covered Dirk Homer coach uh, who we might see in the NFL at some point in the future. But uh, where, where can everyone find you guys? Yeah, so me, if you want to go onto Twitter, we've got at Owain, which is spelled O-W-A-I-N underscore Jones underscore. Um, and obviously look at, uh, on the website, go onto college and um, pick up my articles there got future stars there just a little teaser for the ones coming up this weekend um again some big prospects on offer probably got a couple of quarterbacks a couple of running backs so definitely watch out for that excellent hey thanks for joining us no problem thank you thanks to owen make sure you go and check out their articles now for something close to my heart it looks like Dwayne haskins has been dropped by washington I spoke about this on Ends on Scoop last night, and I thought it was really harsh on the kid. He's only in his second year. Um, the, you know, he's working in a team right now that don't have a team name. They don't have a mascot. They just have a new head coach in who is battling cancer. Um, yes, they are off to a one to three start and currently on a three game losing streak. And he has 939 yards and, and, and has completed 61% of his passes the season with four touchdowns and three interceptions but you got to give give him a little bit um a leeway here he's a young kid and he's not the problem that's going on at Washington there's a lot of problems that run deep there at the moment Riviera hasn't even been able to put his stamp on yet um and you know it, his agent actually tweeted amazing that this is the narrative coming out of DC a young QB um, who is a, in a brand new system with no offseason and said new system, a young offensive line, limited weapons on offense, and only three games into the NFL season. This was obviously uh, before their game against the Ravens. Yet he is the one that must play well. I think it's a little bit unfair that they've they've got down this route, and I'm quite surprised they have, and I just feel really um, sad about it. Is it fair, do you guys think, Will we see Alex Smith come back in? Because let's be honest, Kyle Allen is probably not, I know he's worked under Riviera in the past, but he's probably not the answer to their problems. Um, considering I think he um, threw, 
oh, what was the stat again that I saw? He had 34 turnover-worthy plays on 150-plus fewer attempts than James Winston last year. So <laughs> to me, he's not the answer to their problems. Um, and it's crazy that they are going that way. But let's not forget, Washington are also in the division that um, they're in NFC East. And that division is crazy scary because the Eagles were top of it and they've got one win. So my question is to you all, you guys. Is it fair? Will we see Alex Smith return? And could Washington create a resurgence and win the East? I, I, I agree with you. It's uh, He's been treated quite poorly. He's had, two, you know, what is it now? Three head coaches, two offensive coordinators, and he's only played 11 games. It's... um. It would be unfair to give up on him now. Um, will it be that he's they give him a bit of extra training? What can they do with him, you know, mid-season? It's uh, it's, it's yet to be seen, and they may well, you know, that, that go back to Smith and and uh, and give up on Haskins, which would be just awful for the guy. They've given him hardly any weapons. He's got Terry McLaurin, who, who's a superstar, but that's it. You know, it's easy to take one player out of the game. Um, can they win the East? I think they can because their defense is superb, and if they can just, you know, set, play through the the running game, I think absolutely possible. You know, play strong D and and, and play clock. But um, yeah, he's not he's not really been given that opportunity. I don't think uh, with right right sorts of players. I see both sides of this. I definitely think it's it's too early to give up on Haskins, but equally, that's not the same as as dropping him uh, to the bench. Um, it, it is a bit odd to see him drop to the third string behind Alex Smith, but potentially that's because they want a, um, a an experienced person uh, with the, with the earpiece. He Haskins has had 235 yards a game, which isn't great um, this season. That's up from 150 yards a game last year. I mentioned earlier about Justin Herbert had had 290 yards uh, in each of his three starts. Haskins has had has only passed over 250 yards twice in, the, in those 11 starts. Meanwhile, I spoke to uh, a friend of mine who is a Washington football team fan, um, and he was quite disappointed because there, there have been flashes from Haskins, but I, I quite agree that it's it, it's time to, to see if something else works rather than, rather than Haskins, not necessarily as you're giving up on him, but he just needs a bit more time to prepare. Um, and ultimately, he wasn't, Ron Rivera's choice. Rivera's come in after Haskins was drafted. So there's, I don't see how Rivera has has to have a loyalty to Haskins. He has to do the best for the team. And if that's dropping Haskins and coming back to him, or looking down other avenues, that's that's his prerogative to prove, to make sure that Washington Hurt uh, does the best under him as as head coach. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling to get my head around it because, as you say, he's not played many games. Only four games under the new uh, new head coach, new system. You know, he's 23 years old. He's a first-round pick. He's obviously got a lot of talent. Um, and there's not that much talent around him, especially on that side of the ball. So, it just, it, I guess the, the cynic in me thinks, well, how bad's he been in training? Maybe maybe that's something to do with it. Because um, he's, been, he's been okay, like you say, in the games. He's not exactly been tearing it up. But I think whoever they put in there is going to struggle. Um, in that Washington uh, football team offense. Um, and as you say, he's in the NFC least. Anyone could win it. You probably only need to win three games and you're in the playoffs. So <laughs> who knows? I, I think it, it does seem a bit harsh. Um, 
but but I guess I guess time will tell. And I think Ron Riviera is a pretty uh, pretty experienced coach. I think he, he knows what he's doing. Um, time will tell. But yeah, I, I think it's really harsh, and it's you've got to feel sorry for the guy. Um, but it it's got to be competitive. Um, I'm sure there's not much pressure on them to win this year, but I'm sure they want to get a few uh, a few wins and. Maybe you feel this is the best way. Maybe some more time on the sideline, a bit more time to develop will help him long term. Time will tell. I just think like you, you kind of remember him from last year screaming at his teammates, being like, what do I need to do to get you to block me, to get you to back me and get us to rally to win a team? And I just think from going from that to telling him that he's now the third string quarterback it's just such a big confidence denter I think it's a huge thing to do and you are right Ron Riviera is well known for being able to nurture quarterbacks and bring them um, to the level that he thinks they're capable of so I'm sure that is hopefully what they're doing but I just think it's a massive blow to the kids it does seem a bit harsh to drop him after his uh, his best performance in terms of yards um, for his career so far. But ultimately, the team has to choose. In all four of the NFC East teams have to choose between going for the division win or or tanking effectively and and looking for a high draft pick. And when when there's uh, so few wins throughout the the division, that's quite a difficult decision to make, I guess. Don't think Kyle Allen's any better than Dwayne Haskins, but it's just my personal opinion. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And I think that's that's a great po- point, Sean. What what does it do to his confidence going forward? Um, I know Ron Riviera said before this weekend's game, you know, there's a possibility that he may get benched if he if he doesn't show certain things. So, you know, they've had that in the back of his head, and now it's you know you're taking him off and you're putting him at third string. I don't know what what that would do to to some you know a twenty three year old head, but um, yeah, it's tough on the guy. But it's uh, it's football, it's competitive. You know, I guess he'll have to deal with it. Next up is the dreaded COVID subject. We've already seen some matches having to be rescheduled, and more players from the Patriots and now the Raiders test positive. Brian, will we make it to the end of this season? Yes, yes, we will. I think there's. There's too much invested in it financially and obviously the time, um, you know, they've started the season now, we're, we're a quarter of the way in. Uh, I think that we'll see more games shifted about possibly, potentially the season not back a week or two um, as, as these things happen. Um, but yeah, I definitely think the season will finish. Who knows, it may be sort of March, April time. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, we'll see it through. It's difficult, isn't it? To, to I mean, everyone gets a bye week, and now you know you're, you're looking at eating into that. The Titans would have already had their bye week now, I guess. Um, and of course, uh, the knock-on effects of that, I'm, I'm not 100% on. Maybe Adam could help me out, but I think it also affects the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so you know, and as it goes on and on, you're going to see more and more of it shifting around. And you know, maybe they can push it back. It's a long off season in the NFL. Um, it would be a shame, but it's better to keep it going, I think. And I th- yeah, I think you're right. There's too much invested in it. But uh, as, you, as you see it going on and on, it, it gets crazy. Stefan Gilmore is one of those players who's just uh, been tested positive, and, and now there's videos of him going viral, you know, right up close and personal to, to, to Mahomes. You know, and it's like it's so easy to pass on when you don't know you have it at that moment. 
um, you could see it get a little bit worse before it gets better. But uh, what, what was the thing with the Ravens? How does that work, Adam? The Ravens aren't so much affected by the Titans. They're affected by the Steelers. Um, so the, they've moved the the Steelers game, the Steelers Titans game back to where their uh, buy was going, where the Ravens buy was going to be, and moved the Ravens Steelers game forward. Um, so that it doesn't affect them that much, but you're right in in saying that this is absolutely a decision time. This isn't a, a problem for the end of the season. The, the a decision on the Titans, assuming they they aren't able to get a game on on Sunday, which is looks very possible given the fact that they they're not able to open their facilities tomorrow. There, it, it means that they've got to make a decision, and I think the NFL really should have um, looked into it by should have counteracted by putting in a second bye week, um, which would have been very popular for the Players Association. It only moves the league back a week, but it gives you that little bit more wiggle room. And ultimately, I mean, we all know that self-isolating tends to be 10 to 14 days. If if you get um, self-isolation starting on the Saturday before a game, that's quite easily going to affect a lot, affect two weeks. So I think they really should have put a second bye in. I completely agree that the season's going to finish, whether it results in in some games being postponed or some games being given as as a bye to one team or the other. Imagine if the the Steelers Titans game uh, get is cancelled again or postponed again, then I can't imagine they're going to reschedule it a third time. But ultimately, there's there are definitely some tough decisions and a lot of uh, hindsight that that's going to be looked at uh, now. Yeah, because didn't the Titans think they were all clear and then now they've got two more positive cases? So it just, that is quite concerning. And I think um, the Stephen Gilmore one's quite concerning as well, considering he just played on Monday. So the Chiefs have tested negative for now, but they'll have to wait and see with the incubation period if, if any of them do test positive. And the Patriots had all negative tests in order to go ahead with the uh, the, the Patriots Chiefs game in the first place. So that must be a, a very new case. That is so. In terms of Mahomes was mentioned earlier, I, I would anticipate that that he would be fine. But I, obviously, I'm I'm not a virologist. Mm-hmm. But it it is slightly concerning that uh, that that it has happened that quickly. And and as I said, they should have built in a bit more flexibility rather than just initially putting. All of the, uh, I think it was all of your week two opponents had the same buy as you. I think there needed to be a bit more flexibility. Yeah, I sort of feel sorry for the for the Steelers. I never thought I'd say that. Um, well, they because because they were meant to play the Titans, they got their buy shifted a couple of weeks early, and um, I, I never feel great having an early buy week anyway. Sometimes you want it a bit later, or at least in the middle of the season. Um, and they've had that forced on them and obviously you've got to change your plans of what you do and all that sort of thing so I feel a bit sorry for the Steelers but I think it's as we've said it's just something we're going to have to deal with as the season progresses I thought you know three weeks in everything was going great you know no positive tests and then here we go week four uh-oh it seems to be cropping up everywhere maybe maybe the players have got a bit lax maybe this will give me a, a kick up the rear to get themselves sorted and be a bit safer we'll, we'll see um, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But I wouldn't mind a maybe you know mid March Super Bowl when the weather's a bit nicer. Sound all right? <laughs> maybe the <laughs> clocks will be able to move before the Super Bowl. Will, will, will that do us a few favours, or is it the other way around? I can never remember. Uh, I'm usually too hungover seen... the next day anyway. So <laughs> I've seen uh, some Steelers fans complaining about the buy, but it, 
while it is a pain and it, it can be disruptive, at the end of the day, it is doable to um, to compete at the high level, even with an early buy. The Ravens in 2008 had a, a buy in week two uh, because they had to uh, cancel their game with Dallas, which was then moved to late in the season. And they made the, the championship game with with rookie Joe Flacco. So it, it is doable to um, to compete and, and still succeed as a with an early buy. Absolutely. Uh, the, the big shame, I guess, is that both teams were 3-0. and uh, So maybe they lose a bit of momentum, but uh, that's, that's not what's important, is it? Last up, the subject of team defences, which have been desperately lacking this year. If the old saying is defences win championships holds true, Duncan, who wins the Super Bowl? Well, that's a good question. Uh, as you say, that they have been lacking in, in defensive stars this, this, this year, and I, I can't put my finger on why, but... In terms of defences winning championships, for me, I think I can't look past the Steelers. Um, they are just so fast. They're so quick to the ball. And they've got so many superstars on defence. Um, you know, if TJ Watt doesn't get you, Bud Dupree does. And if Bud Dupree doesn't, that defensive front of Cam Hayward and Stefan Twitt, uh, they do. Um, they've got some underrated players in the back that, uh, that you know, that, that maybe you haven't heard of. Mike, you know, you've got Mark Hilton and... and well, we've heard of Joe Hayden, but uh, and Terrell Edmonds plays at safety with Fitz uh, Fitzpatrick. But so they've got superstars all over that defense, and they're really holding their own. Last year they were eight and eight without Ben Roethlisberger, uh, and that was mostly due to this defense. Um, and yes, I do I do believe that defense wins championships, and they are going to be one you know thereabouts at the end of the season. I, I don't know if anyone else has got to, any, you know, have any of your teams been playing good defense? Or? Uh, not really. I've not seen massively good defensive games this year. It's most, mostly been like crazy hot offenses just managing to score more than the other team sometimes, I feel. But you're right about the Steelers. I think they do have some very good weapons on that on that defensive side, which is we don't really want to say, but yeah. <laughs> It's the same as in the Premier League, where we're suddenly seeing really high-scoring games like uh, Liverpool being beaten 7-2 and, and Man United being beaten 6-1, where it just seems that it's a lot easier to to teach or, or quickly teach a good attacking play rather than defensive play. Maybe it's a case that, that defence requires a bit more planning rather, rather than natural ability and, and speed, but... And I can't believe I'm going to going to say this. I'm going to have to agree with with both of you and, and say the Steelers are the um, the option that you'd have to go with. They've allowed 290 yards a game, uh, which is and and have the best uh, rush yards a game so far. Admittedly, it's only over three games compared to four games for most others. Um, they have the fifth best points per game at only 19. Um, what? Uh, and at the end of the day, if the defense isn't performing, then you've still got Ben Roethlisberger and a host of wide receiving options to um, to help them out and make sure that they win, even if the, the defense is having a bit of an off day. One thing I would say is that they've uh, they have the the 12th best uh, pass defense by yards, which I mean isn't terrible, but compared to the the other stats that they have on defense, is is a bit weak. So if so, a, a good passing offense potentially the likes of the Chiefs could could get into them. But but I have to agree that it's got to be the the Steelers. That's such a good point, isn't it, about continuity and the missing off season? That that could well be it because the Steelers, apart from those tackle, I think they they're sending out the same players as they did last year. Um, other teams may not have had enough time to 
to put things together and, and learn as a group. Um, Brian, I know you're a Cowboys fan and, and I'm a Seahawks fan. Our teams had a big old shootout a couple of weeks ago and, and neither defence looked interested, did they? Yeah, when you said defence, I was like, what's that? I've, I remember saying that a couple of years ago. What, what's defence? And I was like, oh, that's that thing that you're meant to do when the other team's got the ball. Because, um, yeah, it's been severely lacking as you say, in Dallas this year. I think that's that's probably partly due to the continuity, new new scheme, new defensive coordinator, new head coach, quite a few new players. Um, God knows if they'll sort that mess out. But in terms of, yeah, defence wins championships, I'm not sure if it always does, but it certainly helps. Um, and on that, I'm going to pick a bit, maybe a bit of a left field one for defence, but I'm actually going to pick the Chiefs. Um, yes, very good offence. Fantastic offense, probably the best player in the uh, in the league right now, with Patrick Mahomes. But the defense isn't too bad either. They're second in points per game, allowing only 17 and a half on average. Uh, yes, they played you know the Patriots without Cam Newton, um, but they also played the Texans, the Chargers, the Ravens. They're all pretty good offenses, um, and they're, they're quietly one of the better defenses. Not definitely not the top defense, but you saw uh, especially in the playoffs last year. Uh, the defense really stepped up and, and helped Patrick Mahomes get the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's a good pick. They were lacking at linebacker and they lost their best corner to free agency, but they're still the, they've got that continuity again, haven't they? It's that, it's that big word. Yeah, I think you've seen their, their offense struggle a little bit so far. They've, you know, in some games, uh, left it a bit towards the second half, last quarter maybe, but their defense has just carried on, I think, because of that continuity again. One team I'd also add to the uh, to this as a potential, um, I wouldn't say in their current guys, but if they can get a bit more healthy, is the 49ers. And, and they have continuity in terms of having kept uh, Robert Salah and a lot of their, their big pieces around. But it, it depends on quite how healthy they can get, certainly later in the season. Obviously, they've lost uh, Nick Bosa um, as, a, as a key piece. But it, as I said, it depends how many pieces they can get back. Yeah, I think they've got massive pieces missing on that defense and some are season ending. So I think we're not going to see the as much as a dominant 49ers defense as we saw last year. Well, that's all for today's show. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics we discussed. And of course, any feedback you may have, you can tweet us at 99yards. Thanks for listening. Flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash auto refi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. A little flexibility can go a long way. 
By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.